Hey folks, before we hop into this week's episode, a few things I wanted to say up top. First of all, thank you so much to anybody who listened to our first episode that I released. And welcome back. Uh, if you this is your first time here, I encourage you after this episode to go back and listen to our wonderful conversation with Gabriella Ashland, which was our first episode released last week. And thank you for being here. Regarding the audio quality of this episode, we are approaching a much better audio quality. I'm having conversations with people about gear and about methods, and I cannot wait to improve the overall quality for the rest of the episodes to come. In addition to a content warning, which you'll find at the bottom of the description of the episode, I've also included a small glossary of terms, which you can find, you know, if there's something that is mentioned during the episode and you're confused about it, I may have added a term for it in the glossary just above the content warning. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Today, we're talking to a Midwestern Chicago, Milwaukee area actor, also happens to be a very good friend of mine. And a longtime D and D enthusiast, Sawyer Edwards, is with us today on the podcast. I say longtime D and D enthusiast. Uh, you've just informed me before this how long that actually was. How long have you been playing D and D, sir? Yes, uh, I've been playing for fifteen years now. This year, <laughs> my goodness. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on this show talking about D and D. Sort of first podcast jumping into conversations like this. You and me have talked enough for. 10 episodes of a podcast by now in our personal time about TTRPGs. So (laughs) we really have. (laughs) So it's excellent to finally be on mic with you chatting about this stuff. Um, Likewise. So I guess, I guess, God, this is so interesting. Such a long story. I'm sure story history with many characters, many different editions of D and D, you know, with a lot of, with a lot of other people that I've chatted with, you know, it's a matter of jumping into childhood hopes and dreams and and loves and passions and how they led you to D&D but that might be where we actually start so i guess like earliest earliest iterations of of character creation for you i mean i have like different examples like did you do impressions as a kid did you have imaginary friends uh, halloween costumes video games what were you really into and if the answer is D&D then heck yeah but uh, <laughs> what what comes to mind what's what's like what are like the first iterations for you yeah. Uh, you said, you know, Halloween costumes and stuff like that. That really pops out to me. I, it, so D&D was a little bit later. I was like eight years old when I actually knew what it was. Sure. Um, okay. My father had been okay. playing it all through since the 80s. Um, so, it, you know, he's been playing it throughout my entire life. And I never really understood what I think what they were doing until right around seven, eight-ish. Okay. Still um, much younger than a lot of people. I was immersed really early on in fantasy in general, actually. Lord of the Rings, I I have been wa- I do not remember a time in my life when I was not watching Lord of the Rings. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was sat down in front of Fellowship of the Ring at like four years old, probably. <laughs> Born and bred on Tolkien. Yes. That's what we have here. <laughs> incredible. No, that's incredible. So so as someone who was just at uh Chicago Comic Con with you and you had the most brilliant Mandalorian costume with like audio gadgets included and amazing. Uh, so you say Thank Halloween you costumes. Much. Yeah, of course. Uh, where, where'd that start? Where'd you cut your teeth on that before your like, professional theater training? What, what did Kid Sawyer dress up as? Yeah, um, Kid Sawyer, I, the first costume I remember actively loving uh, that my mom made me was Peter Pan, actually. 
Little Sawyer at uh, probably two, maybe three. I, I oh, wore wow. it longer than that. I wore it for years. Like I, oh, I was a kid that would just okay. wear like my dress up clothes, like day to day basis. I'd be like, yes, this is what we're wearing today. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, you know, maybe not a full outfit, but um, definitely I had, I remember a knife with a sheath, a little rubber knife with a sheath. I had that every, <laughs> everywhere we went. Incredible. Yeah. You just take <laughs> little pieces of costumes as you go. Exactly. You know, maybe not the full Spider-Man costume, but the Spider-Man mask will come out for mask and glove. Cause I had Masking? the, I had a little silly string glove that you could put a can on top and it looked like you were shooting a web. I just watched my best childhood friend gift his and our, you know, my godson, his son, that same thing. So the fact that that has touched the hearts of many a creative child over the last oh, 20 yes. years is amazing. <laughs> uh, you gotta love it. I know you're a big superhero guy as well. I am. Yes. In Lord of the Rings. Is Spider-Man the one? Like, what's the, what's like, this is an interesting question for you because for me, it's, you know, what characters did you want to be like when you were a kid? For me, it's Batman. So like what superhero mm. jumps out at you as as the end all be all of your childhood what was the superhero if there is one hands down as a kid spider-man was my favorite all the way which i think is is yeah. a decently common you know is but it was he was definitely my favorite as a as a kid all the way up till i figured out captain america was my favorite so probably like eighth yeah. grade <laughs> right there you go yeah your entire hey it's it's a popular answer for a reason spider-man mm -hmm. is spectacular Oh yeah, exactly. I never got into the DC as much though. Like I knew who Batman was, Superman was, sure. but I and still to this day actually haven't done a deep enough dive into DC. I feel like sure. Well, and there's there's reasons for that, right? MCU is put in front of our face constantly, and mm -hmm. you know there's the whimsy and the, and the nostalgia of that, and it's yeah. There's a, there's a lot of characters that we love from MC from the MCU and from Marvel in general. So huge catalog. <laughs> huge catalog of a lot of people that we gravitate towards right mm -hmm. going into like when things changed you know in eighth grade when when captain america sort of took the front and center spot you know was that also within a few years of when you actually started playing D D as opposed to just knowing what it was as well like you know what what, what was middle school and high school like like did you when did you start doing theater you know, mm -hmm. take me through that sort of like that that era of sawyer for character sure. building specifically Absolutely. Um, well, I guess the easiest and probably the one I can trace back the longest would be theater. In, maybe not in terms of character building, because I wasn't really aware of that until I actually got a theater education, or sure. at, you know, at least wasn't fully aware of how to define that. But I've been doing theater since kindergarten, actually. Uh, really? Yeah, I specifically? Yes. Um, we, I went to a very small private school, so you know everyone knows everybody. It was a kindergarten to eighth grade school, actually. So it wasn't even split up middle school and all that. But starting in kindergarten every uh it, it was usually the th kindergarten to third graders all did a musical and then the upper graders got to do plays uh is kind of what it was so go and buggy was my uh my debut i was a b all the kindergartners were b's a b oh wow i was gonna ask what you th what, if you remember what your first role was what was your first big role your first major like speaking role do you remember i do that would have been fifth grade. Um, so right at, at that transition where I got to then do plays instead of musicals. Um, don't remember the name of the play, to be perfectly honest. All I remember was I was a director, actually. I, I played a director that was putting on a show within this play. Oh, okay. Uh, and I, I, yeah, I just had a lot of, I, I remember a lot of lines. I got to wear Sounds all like our town. Sounds like yeah. our town. <laughs> uh, uh, nice. Okay. And so this is really what I want to talk about here. Mm -hmm. Do you remember your first D&D character? Like, remember the first one you created just from the brain of Sawyer? So, ooh, okay, so this is going to, maybe it's a two-part or maybe not. 
I can definitely answer the first part. I know my first D&D character might be less so from the brain and more so, hey, this sounds cool and I want to try it. Uh, no, and that's kind of like, that's that's kind of what I want. You know, like, sure. like that's a building block to like fully creating and nothing's fully created, right? Like we're, we're right. always taking stuff and that's the whole point. That's what's what I want to jump into. So please mm-hmm. give me the two-parter. Absolutely. So um, a little bit of backstory for this question real quick. Um, yes, I started actually, so when I became, a, when, talking going back to when I became aware of what they were doing for D&D, um, my dad and his friends at the table, I actually sat and watched them play for two and a half years, pretty much, pretty close to, because I, once I figured out what it was and I knew it was fantasy, a lot of times I sat there looking at the pictures in all the books, but I was there, uh, you know, listening to what they were doing and following and looking my favorite was when my dad would present a bird's eye view map on a piece of graph paper and say, this is where we are. Uh, that was always my favorite. I would draw little maps on graph paper all the time. Like I remember putting pits and you know crossbow traps and all of these just random rooms with no thought to how they are. But I sit there and I draw them out. But yeah, so I I would uh, watch them. Uh, and uh, I, my favorite character at the time, I was really into bows and arrows specifically because of Legolas, but also just other. It was my favorite thing. Like in that period, right around ten years old, both yeah. loved it. And so uh, that's the first thing I knew. I was like, I want a bow and arrow. So that's really probably what I based the character off of was, okay, I need something that will look good with a bow and arrow. Elf Thief is what I went with. This was second edition. So that was was all it was. But Elf Thief um, is what I went with. Elven Thief. Um, No, that's, and that's great. Like, (laughs) like, I love that kind of starting point of like, and this is a mechanic I'm drawn to, or this is a weapon or an item that I'm drawn to. Let me build Mm -hmm. around that. Right. And yeah. Uh, I guess real quick before we move on from the tape, like from you spectating for so long, was your father's table uh, a role play heavy table? It was not and still is not to this day. Um, Which is not a dig at them necessarily. (laughs) No, no, it's it's absolutely not. No, but it's definitely, um, yeah, it's not super role play. I mean, you know, we don't go into conversations or anything like that. We will do some interaction because I think that's just kind of part of the game. You know, like that's it's it's part of a tabletop role playing game is you do role play decisions at least. Um, Exactly. Not heavy in the role play for that table. Sure. Well, no, and that's and that's you know it's interesting because it's we're theater artists and Mm -hmm. you know you're you're an actor by trade. I'm a director who used to be an actor by trade. Mm-hmm. Oh, like that's that's what that's how we identify ourselves as storytellers and creators, at mm-hmm. least in part. Like having conversations in character is not necessarily the most fun or most effective way to embody that character for people. Yeah, just being in the headspace of like, okay, what would my character do? So this is interesting to think of. You know, we're so drawn to role play heavy. And a lot of it's, you know, because of the improv comedy aspect of a lot of different popular role play shows these days, mm-hmm. you know, anyone that you can think of, right? Voice acting or improv or both are heavy components of the cast. But I bet you that more than half of the tables in the world that play D&D are, are more so like your dad's table. Oh, yeah. Never been a table that I've been at, again, because that's just like, we are already in that world of acting and performing. But uh right taking away the pressure of talking in character and just like, this is what my character would do. Yes. It's a lot of third person narration for the most part is, or or not even third person. Like you can't say I do this, but you know, it's just like more, instead of you being the character and speaking the lines, it's, Oh, I, instead of saying whatever line it is, it's, I tell them this, like, uh, if that makes sense. So it's, 
it's yeah, an interesting absolutely. it's different because i have played both uh, you know we played together and i've played with um kind of how you're saying with with other like-minded people in that regard uh, a lot of performance-based people performance-based people exactly um and yeah so it's just it's an interesting uh and i still play with my dad so i still get um you know these these back and forth i actually just played yesterday so um incredible <laughs> Is, and, and so he's is that still two edition second edition or first edition or is that back up to 3.5 or uh no it's actually it's still second they love the second edition um awesome. however when i dm i have brought them to fifth edition i first that i brought them on my stepping stone so we went to third edition for about a year and then that was when i was like okay i'm gonna make the leap into fifth edition and then so now i brought them so when i dm for that group um we do because we kind of just trade off every yeah you know whenever we meet up it's like oh okay who's dming this time and then it's fun. I, I've brought them a little bit. I think it's they're coming around on it. It's still, you know, a lot of explaining of stuff because at least yeah. they have the, the the lingo for the most part of D and D and tabletop role playing games to at least base it off of. So they're not coming in fresh. It's it's a different kind of explanation than because I've also helped people play fifth edition that have never played D and D in their life. So right. it's it's a different form of explanation because they already have this base. Yeah, they got the, the basics done. Yeah. That's cool. It sounds like a mixed bag of a table, but truly it sounds like you've accomplished the most important thing, which is you actually play consistently, which is uh, no matter what kind of table you're running, what kind of fun you want to have, that is the, uh, that is the end game, right? Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the thing that everyone wants. (laughs) Uh, So can you think of an example of when your identity or your experience in real life informed a decision that was made when it comes to making a character? Definitely, because I know I've thought about that before, even, you know, even before we discussed, you know, this topic today, but I know that that is true. Definitely more so backstories, events, some character choices, stuff like that. Um, Speaking about, about what kind of, you know, what pieces of you or what your interests are that go into a character. Yeah, I I do think that in every character anyone makes regardless, there's got to be some aspect of, um, at least if you are planning on doing any sort of role play, I feel like even subconsciously and maybe not even without knowing it, somebody's going to, they're going to put something into their backstory or their character that they relate to automatically because that helps, you know, with either role play or even just get, like you were saying before, getting into the mindset of the character, even if you don't do, you know, a deep dive into role play. Right. Um, It's just decision based. You have to be in the mindset. Absolutely. Um, and I definitely, um, I probably 80%, 90, I'm, who am I kidding? 90% of my characters uh, <laughs> <laughs> are hack and slash, usually a fighter. But, you know, I, I enjoy the, you know, I'm some sort of melee uh, character because that is where my head, uh, as as a player, my play style, or at least what, what's easier for me, I guess, play style for lack of a better term, that's just, that comes more naturally to me is see the thing, hit it. Um, sure, you know, yeah. The threat rather than, um, again, just going back is the, my, with how my dad DMs, he like, he loves puzzles and he loves the, the dungeon, like it's a lot of dungeon crawling, but there's a lot of puzzles, traps, things like that that you have to kind of avoid. Um, and he's a very smart person, so he's able to make puzzles and he enjoys making puzzles, which is great. It's fun every once in a while, but for me, doing that, you know, doing five of those every session 
is not necessarily the most enjoyable for me. I'm good every once in a while. So I'm, I'm more of like, yes, yeah, show me the monster. I want to do something cool. And I'll always describe it too, because I love, I, I love the violent aspect of it. And I know we've talked about that before too. <laughs> yes. I was just say coming from experience, uh, you know, maybe one puzzle a session is good, not five, but uh, certainly not a cap on how many monsters you'd like to hit per session. I could I could throw five encounters in a row at you, and you you and you would have a blast the whole time. And it yes, would be, yeah. I absolutely <laughs> would. <laughs> uh, I I think okay, and this is an interesting thing. I I think I have killed your characters more than I've killed any other PCs. Like uh, of like. You have been more near death in more characters than anybody ever has in anything I've ever DM'd. And I've DM'd dozens of people at this point. Dozens of people I've DM'd. And you, I think, one fully dead character, yes. one nearly dead, one who who technically died but is now alive in an alternate universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, gosh, darn it. So... That, I guess that that comes with the territory of being the see the thing, kill the thing, hack and slash sort of. I don't know. That's just interesting. I would love to dive into that with you of like, yeah. you know, like the cause and effect of that. Right. Of like and and that happened. It's happened to me, too. Um, you know, the, the home game that I'm a part of. My mm-hmm. buddy Shane is the DM and and my big barbarian hack and slash character is the one that died out of the group. The other two were a monk and a druid. So they aren't as as. Like they aren't as I'm going to make this joke and it's really, really morbid. They aren't jumping into the fire to save the people kind of characters where mine is. And that is ironically how the character died because he jumped into a fire trying to save somebody, which ultimately led to him being too weak to defend himself against guards and all of this. But so, so you and I can relate to that sort of like, mm-hmm. like we just like the, we like the violent aspect of it. And yeah. there is catharsis involved with that. You and me are both very. I was like, thinking along those lines. Yep. <laughs> you and me are both. It's it's just that's an interesting thing to jump into, and it's it's a uh, it's an interesting conversation. It gets a little, uh, I don't know. It gets a little deep because you and me are both. I think that you're a pacifist the same way that I am. You know, we don't like we don't use violence to solve our everyday problems. We're both reasonable people. I At mean, least I try to always, be. Right, exactly. We try to be right, and I said, right. "You're." I would say, you know, you're a you're a man of violence compared to me, just because you work out and you. you know, do you do any kickboxing or any like MMA stuff as a workout? Any any time? Not actively, but I have been very considering it recently because I, I am very interested in taking up some form of martial art at some point. Some form, of, yeah, some form of martial art. I did martial arts as a kid. I mm-hmm. got to uh, what they called deputy black belt in Koryo Gumdo, which is a Korean. Uh, martial art of weapons wielding nice um yeah crazy that's great right like whoa I, why can't i get back to that but um you know and you know you're you're also well versed in stage combat and so that's another like that's another aspect of your theater and your performance training it's like oh you just you you're around violence more than other people are when it comes to creating and storytelling Mm-hmm. So that, it's it's, it's always the thing I latch onto. Uh, it, it's it always has been like the fight scenes in movies have always been my favorite. The fight sure. like like violence in as entertainment for like not like blood sport. Like I don't want to go see two people actually go and try to kill themselves gladiatorial style. But right, um, you know it's in terms of storytelling. It's the most direct form of conflict, and it's it the is. most direct line to the heart for you and me, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
It is well, such high stakes as well in true. whatever it is. That's true. And, you know, not to say there aren't other ways. And that's kind of like hmm. my whole journey of, you know, I want to find every different way you can get the stakes as high as possible. Absolutely. Especially at the table, because that's just what makes things interesting. Absolutely. You know, I agree. You know, <laughs> you know, high stakes and make it personal for the characters, backstories and who they are as people, mm -hmm. as characters, I mean. So sort of using all of this to get back to my point of it's it's interesting to think that like oh like that you are you are one of the most direct and like it's not it's not for lack of i've had it I, i've had it be because it's a lack of understanding of like oh this is the simplest thing yes you should be a rogue or a fighter because you're brand new to the game you've never played and this is the smallest amount of abilities and traits and characteristics you have to attend to mm. is like be a low-level rogue or if it's mid-level be a fighter or a barbarian there's nothing in it's just less to worry about right yeah i'll do the same uh, thing all the time yeah exactly but but for you it's not a lack of understanding like you could you know you could certainly use magic you understand magic you understand the world building you know a lot of the rules and even if you don't know the rules you know exactly where to find the rules which is really the trick of being a dm is just it just knowing how to utilize it's an open book test at all times mm -hmm. just knowing like having the confidence to to you know a, you know approach a story or approach a situation with obstacles and stakes and and know how you mechanically know how to navigate that but yeah. you still gravitate towards you know out of everybody i've ever played with you're still the one that mostly that most gravitates towards that type of play style when it comes to encounters mm -hmm. um, and and so one for one you're also the one who's died the most so it's just i guess looking at that uh let's unpack that a little please <laughs> And I, I, the one, the one example I'm thinking of is definitely my fault, and it just overpowered one of my bad guys, and and killed you dead way quicker than I wanted to. But that mm. character, uh, uh, your paladin, your, yes. your your godless paladin, um, <laughs> um, who is sort of wanted by the gods and drew strength from the gods, you know, wanting to wanting you to be their champion, so they. Mm -hmm. You know, they sort of, the cart came before the horse in that aspect of like, you were just looking for glory and just looking for being the best uh, at war. You were just mm -hmm. the, the ultimate war guy, truly the ultimate war guy that happened to be a paladin because you were that successful at it, that the gods mm -hmm. wanted you. The worst nightmare as a DM for me, because a DM more than I play is coming up with, you know, like receiving such an excellent backstory and coming up with like, wow, this... There's so much you can do with this. And I came up with a long term sort of twist for your character at some point of like, oh, this is what's going to be going on here. And if, you know, if the, sh if the other shoe ever drops, this mm -hmm. is what's going to happen. And uh, my worst nightmare, the shoe drops the second session or the first session. I'm like, oh, oh, he died. So now I have to like this thing I came up with, I have to implement it immediately. Right. Uh, but hey, also I, I take yeah, take your take take me through that. Uh, yeah, um, real quick, I do have to say as well in terms of that. There's also the other aspect. It's the improv nature of the game, obviously. Um, yeah. But it's you know the dice. They they decided the for dice. me. Oh, there was a the dice were a big part of that. I flubbed a, like four major rolls right in a row. Sure, <laughs> sure. So I guess I guess that leads us back to you know letting the decision making be so immediate that. Great, great. I'm going to roll the dice, literally roll the dice on this in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, this is, these are the decisions my character would make. And if they fail, the direct, the direct consequences that they're going to die in this physical altercation. Yep. 
Where if it's like magic, it's like, oh, that spell did not work. Or, oh, I hurt more people than I should have. Or, you know, oh, that backfired. Not saying that that magic uh, conflict isn't at just, you know, just as high stakes, but it's just quite literally less direct of like, there's nothing like stabbing somebody or trying to not get stabbed by somebody in a, in a conflict like that. Uh, That's what I'm looking for. That's, that's always what I'm seeking out. I'm like, I want to be right there. (laughs) And you're always willing to let it be up to the dice. So that's a very good point. I appreciate that. Of course. I do. I do. I do admire that about you. Uh, uh, so, so looking at these other, like looking at characters that you've created as an adult, mm-hmm. um, I would be remiss if we did not speak about the first time we ever played together mm-hmm. and the character that you created for one of my other homebrew settings, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Vilfendar, who is a swashbuckling rogue, scallywag, <laughs> um, orphan, orphan bum, thief, mm-hmm. uh, swindler. Very Star Lord esque, very like just some of the shit that you pulled during like as that character. I just I <laughs> I please please take me through your thought process of that character because he's 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 a rogue and he's a swashbuckler. He's still like the hit stuff guy, but he is way smoother than like your typical fighter or your typical barbarian. Yeah, it's a little bit of a. It's about the most I branch out in my uh, regular uh, <laughs> going from sure. strength based to dex based. Um, <laughs> sure, hey, I admire it. I'm glad you did. But no, definitely in terms of characters I made in as adult as an adult, Vilfendar is the one that is. I think by far my favorites, um, both because of the actual character, also setting. Um, I it's, appreciate that. It's, it is my favorite. I loved it. Um, and I will continue to always request it whenever I can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, uh, I for a while, that's kind of the archetype that I've been latch, latching on to. I always come back to it as this, like, like you were saying, the, this the Star Lord, Han Solo, like, uh, scoundrel. Oh, of course, pest. Han Solo. Yes. Um, it, Star Wars head over here. Yeah, very big. Yes, <laughs> a lot of inspiration for Star Wars stuff. But yeah, that was you know going through again. This was years ago, but um, trying to um, my my thought process going through this the, for these characters. I'm yeah. pretty sure as soon as I looked at Rogue and then looked through all the the subclasses and went, ooh, Swashbuckler. I know what I can do with this. Um, wow. Okay, so that started with mechanics as well. It, I feel like it always, almost always goes back to mechanics for me rather than starting at a backstory character idea and then working from that. Not necessarily all the time because I have tried it, thinking about it that way recently, but definitely I gravitate more towards, again, kind of what, I was, uh, what we were talking about earlier, a mechanic or a, you know, I'm like, ooh, I want to fight like this or I want to have like this one weapon thing. or, yeah. And then I go, okay, how can I make that happen? I love that. And actually you've kind of, You've kind of turned my prompts on their head because that was sort of the that was sort of the last step I was going to get to, but we're going to get into <laughs> it right now because that's starting starting with a mechanic or an item or you know an aspect of the gameplay part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is apparently the answer to my first question uh, for you, and that's amazing. There um, you go. So I would love to talk about, and this is this is another conversation we had, and this might not apply to Vilfendar. If it does, please let me know. Yeah. Um, and I'm also just quick sidebar i'm realizing that the bbeg or one of the several because that setting has several bbegs where vilfendar is from the the Mm -hmm. setting of constance with the constant c that i created 
the, the big bad for Vilfandar is pretty much just a much scarier, much smarter job of the hut. Uh, you cr- you cracked my code. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've solved my backstory puzzle, Mr. GM. <laughs> again, this was years ago when we started this, but I'm just now realizing that Frobosk, the Mind Flayer, is just a much, like, it's just kind of like if Emperor Palpatine ended up being like a really grungy gang leader. Uh, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. That's absolutely terrifying. And, and you're just the... Han Solo of Han Solos. <laughs> I, I, oh man, I love that. And I love the, I guess, I don't know, the thought process of like, oh, your first character was like, oh, bow and arrow. Yep, I'm going to be Legolas. Mm-hmm. But also there's that thief aspect of it, right? Uh, even if that's just what you had to default to, like, look that, at you now. I, I always gravitate to thief. I always come back to thief. Every once in a while, I'm like, okay, a thief character, and then one, two, okay, uh, who am I kidding? Fighter, fighter, maybe something fighter. like it, and then thief again. And then, thief you know, again. I, yeah, I always yeah. just, every once in a while, um, at my dad's table, they always joke that I'm always a thief, no matter what class I say. They go, okay, well, what are you? But we all know what you mean. <laughs> like, it, it always is. Because also another big aspect for me, after the kill, I'm like, yes, where's all the stuff? Give me the goodies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, so the looter. Okay, I see. Yep. The looter of the, the Laura Bailey of the table. to make Yes. Uh, <laughs> love it. Yeah, it's like, oh, yes, I'm a faith-based cleric that follows Pelor and my like my domain is the life domain but mm-hmm. also i'm going to loot your dead body after we're finished with this conflict it's for uh, the church it's, it's <laughs> the ch- hey the Pelor doesn't need this money the church needs this money and i'm gonna <laughs> give it to him exactly just let That's... me carry it to them <laughs> excellent incredible uh, uh <laughs> just thinking of like the most lawful good of characters you, you're still you know, just just still justifying like the most the most conniving kleptomaniac behavior, I can imagine. That's that's incredible. Uh, <laughs> so so getting to my point, when it comes to Vilfandar, or when it comes to remind me of your paladin's name, um, Marseus. Marseus. Oh, and I know I know it is built into Marseus because I requested it, but I'm wondering if this is the case with Vilfandar or with any other characters from your past, mm. or if you can think of any examples of, of like, uh, because mechanics is where you start from, and mechanics is often where I start from as well, the idea of unoptimized skills or the unoptimized build to mm. me is one of the most interesting and direct ways to weave mechanics and storytelling with a character. Uh, it's one of my favorite things. Yeah, um, I'm. I don't think I've ever. Maybe sans like, right when I started, like ten, eleven, twelve. I was probably would be considered m- more of a uh, more akin to a min maxer. Um, maybe not. That's a, a negative. That's like a dirty word these days, right? Like, right. What, I don't what, quite mean it. Want, like, yeah, you just want to yeah. have all the stuff, and you want to have you want to be as strong or fast as power. As exactly. Possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I definitely gravitated probably that way when I was younger, just because you know you're still a kid. That's kind of just with your where your thought process goes. Oh, I yes. feel like um, you want you want to shoot the bow the best you possibly can, and you want to be able to get away and have the most HP. Yeah. Wow. Why would yeah. I? Uh, yeah. Exactly. But definitely, as I've gotten older, this kind of goes back to uh, uh, kind of my same thought process with letting the dice decide. I'm, you know, it's just, I'm like, I will go with the flow and I will go, yep, this is my idea. Yes, I have a fighter. He's good at hitting things. He's not good at thinking. Um, and I know this. Sure. Um, for instance, that's an easy one because soft stats are, you know, a little easier because they come up maybe a little less depending on the table. Um, but Embracing the dumb stat at the very least. Exactly. Um, but I, I have... I like to think that I've never had a problem 
at least very, you know, in my, as I'm getting older, not really had a problem with having an unoptimized character. You know, I, I love leaning into that. And actually I even, even more so, uh, you see it come out sometimes when we play too, where I will impose disadvantage on myself, you know, based on, you know, whatever circumstance or whatever, you know, something from my backstory. And I'm like, ah, yes, this is, I don't like it character wise. Um, So I would, yeah, I don't think I would be in the right mindset. So I'm going to give myself disadvantage on this wisdom saving throw or whatever it is. I do. I do remember that in a very, in a very short, um, in a very short thing that we played recently with some pals that we have to finish, of course. Yes. Um, So close. uh, You so close, so close your character, a fighter, a dwarven fighter, right? Yep. Uh, your garden variety standard issue, like dwarven fighter, like a Scottish dwarf accent. Dwarf to ever dwarf, I believe. I uh, I described it as. how you described <laughs> it. Right. But like, I just love it because like taking that trope, but then also like, cool, I am this trope. I also am, you know, like this character is this trope, but this character is also this, this heartbreaking or fascinating backstory of like the, you know, uh, 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 you know, being traumatized during war and you know, encountering the thing that traumatized him. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, you, you impose, I remember you specifically being like, no, Kyle, when it comes to this situation, my character would have disadvantage. And I remember loving that and, and that being, yeah, I just like, that's, that's some Emily Axford type stuff of like, just being <laughs> so into the mechanics that you're like, no, like mechanically, my character needs to, be worse off in the situation because of where we're at and what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's just, uh, that's, that's a different kind of mastering of mechanics that I really, really appreciate. I, I, I appreciate I you. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, man. Getting into that idea of imposing trauma onto your character. Like I think of, this is such a, I don't want to say silly. Whenever I explain, whenever I recurse something that I'm about to explain is silly. My loved ones get upset with me. They're like, that's not silly. But it, it seems this this is you know we're talking about how like the you know the direct heartstring to high stakes is you know that combat right that combat situation this is such a this is such an you know left field situation mm-hmm. but you know when it comes to like Im- imposing trauma onto your characters again it, it makes them more interesting but also it's a natural part of life like the same way you would take an interest of yours or or a love of yours or personality trait of yours or someone else's or a character that you loves. And you know, like Hanso, like being like that, like very smooth talking scoundrel. Yeah. We love that. We love that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, when it comes to a, like the character, actually the character I was talking about earlier, the one who, who jumped into a burning building and ended up dying for it. You know, my, my hit stuff guy, yep. Rygar the dragonborn, because yep. of who he was in that party, despite his very low charisma score, he, he ended up being sort of the peacemaker of, mm-hmm. of like, when, you know, when we ran into a guard or had a bad experience, he would always be the peacemaker. And like you said, subconsciously it happens, right? I think that while I'm role-playing this character, I, I gravitate towards that because that is uh, a lot of who I am as a person, uh, a lot of who I am as, as a real life human being. I'm, I'm typically in the middle of things and, you know, not as a turn of phrase, but truly in the middle of things, you know, in terms of, you know, I see both sides of an argument or I am mediating for two friends or, mm-hmm. or two enemies or two loved ones or like, and I know this is, this is a really personal story, but I remember, I remember one time my mom and uh, her boyfriend at the time, 
um, who was in prison. So he could not, uh, he could only call, he could only call the, he called the house phone. And okay. then my mom, my mom had, my mom was like, oh God, what was the context of this? I was like 12 or 13. Mm. And she's like, Hey, Kyle, I need to call you. And then I need you to call this number so that I can talk to my boyfriend and you're just going to put the phone down. Like you three-way call it for me. And, and then we're going to do this. And, and so I did. And then I remember like at one point, 45 minutes later, picking up the phone that couldn't be hung up because I was the mediator, like I was the facilitator of this three-way call, like just picking it up and then screaming at each other. And I was like, Oh, I'm just going to put that back down. Uh. And just like, I don't know, like, like that, for some reason that, that jumps out at me as like a point of, teenage like that's just one point of like oh that 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 affected me that changed me as a person and i i want to be better at at helping people not scream at each other anymore mm. and like that making its way into gosh a lot of the characters that i've played in D and 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 that one specific time i was unoptimized for it because it was a barbarian i was low charisma but right uh since then, my new character in that campaign, uh, plus six to persuasion, high charisma paladin, uh, because you know, I did my time, I did my time as the unoptimized peacemaker. Now I want to be the optimized peacemaker, and let me tell you, I still have just as much trouble with it. And <laughs> part of that is part of that is the nature of the game, and part of that is, like you said earlier, the dice. Mm-hmm. It's like I can be great at charisma, I still have to roll high to, <laughs> to facilitate the way my character wants to, you know. So I don't know, just, just, is there, and if there isn't, that's fine, but is mm-hmm. there an example that you can think of, we, we, you know, you can get as much into it as you want or not. Sure. Of like, just like, a, like a, like a moment in your life. It's like, oh, that's, you know, I remember that as changing me. And then like that, that making its way into any characters at any point or any, any uh, aspects of characters at any point. Definitely not one singular thing. I've been fortunate in my life that I haven't necessarily had um, uh, any big uh, fortunate in, in, you know, no big negative thing, but it it just, you know, I haven't had um, uh, necessarily like, I guess, uh, a bad experience for for lack of a better term, you know. Everyone has bad experiences here and there. Right. Yeah. And it's not like I'm like, yeah, it's all, you know, walking through. Exactly. It's not, uh, not all that, but nothing that I've really uh, either felt that I could bring into a backstory or into a character. Um, I do, maybe it's, it's an overarching thing. I kind of mentioned before, I'm always all about the, the, the loot, the money. I'm always like, yes, what do I get from this? And I, as a person have always been very uh it's it's something that i'm trying to work on but always been very uh money centered but like worried about it uh you know I, i'm always it's concerned an with right and it is it absolutely is and sure. it's become more and more prevalent especially since i've moved out um somewhat recently mm-hmm. um, of my parents home um but you know it, it's it's been something that has uh been it's been anxiety inducing for me for years. Um, and I don't know if maybe I, if that has somehow gotten into there because I'm like, Ooh, in this fantasy game, I can have all of this. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, and maybe it has, cause every, almost every character I have now tried to, you know, I, again, I try to 
be the non-toxic side of this is what my player would or my, what my character would do deeply in character choices which are okay as long yes. as you're not being an asshole in real life exactly i, I that's what i try to not to be <laughs> but yeah so i may who know i don't know if that is next it's not an active choice i make to say yes this character is going to want to get as much, much wealth as possible but I, that's something that stands out to me is hey maybe that's subconsciously finding its way in i don't know i'm not qualified sure, sure. to say to uh, comment on that necessarily but <laughs> no same here yeah i wasn't like oh yeah this one aspect in my life i'm going to make sure my dnd character is the peacemaker right but in this heavily role play centered home game that i play with some of my best friends, just like as the unoptimized, non-charisma based. Yeah. Like, just like even as him and I was still in character, I was like, like, oh, I feel the need to do. It's just, it's just interesting to me what makes its way into like the through line, that thread of like, oh, what do all of your D&D characters have in common? Mm -hmm. Does that say something about you or does that say something about, about how you are or not are as a person? Yeah. So that's, I, that is. It very well could be. Um, I two points off of that. I'm going to forget one most likely, but um, the uh, kind of what you said, I also fall very similarly into that uh, peacemaker role. And I may it honestly, it probably is because sitting at a table with my friends and I see those friends in fantasy in danger. I go, hey, want to make this OK? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm sure that has something to do with it, but I do oftentimes. I, I, I find myself in a peacekeeping role or a um, I'm not the serious one at the table. I'm not the strider sitting in the corner um, being all mysterious. I'm I'm the one that's like, doo, 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 I'm here and this is what we're going to do. And I'm the, sure. you know, it, it's it just what ride. comes out. And I think that's I mean, it's probably a huge part of my personality. I wouldn't say I'm uh, I'm not the dark and brooding type. You know, that's not what I do. Sure. Um, sure. But. Yeah. I enjoy and would like to do that at some point, which is hence why I, that was one of the things I was kind of thinking about with Vilfandar and his backstory. Oh, like playing, playing totally against who you are as a person. Exactly. It's very interesting to me. And I want to, I would like to, that's kind of what I've been turning to recently is maybe trying to go, okay, so all my characters end up. And even, even when I try to, to, you know, maybe not do that, it always swings back around. So I'm like, okay, that's my niche that, uh, you know, not that I'm going to not, not going to stay there. You know, I'm going to keep trying yeah. to stand out, but I do find that I oftentimes will swing back around uh, no matter what character I make. Sure. Sure. <laughs> no, that's, that's interesting. And, and, and gosh, I do want to play with you as Vilfandar more because I, you know, uh, to me, you haven't swung much as Vilfandar, if I'm being honest. And there were plenty of opportunities too, but you typically were on one side of the coin mm -hmm. of that, or one like sort of one side of the argument. So you're, maybe that's your winning streak of not of not le of leaning into the peacekeeping role. Or and I just I would just you know a, a, a small tale from the table. Mm -hmm. uh, I just remember one of the decisions that you made as Vilfandar one time, which which uh, uh, you know <laughs> does. This this situation, you know, does speak to like the oh, like this character might be the one that's that's different for me as a person. Mm -hmm. One time, you and a friend of ours uh, apprehended uh, apprehended an NPC and tied them up, and you were like, you, you were you were grilling them, you were interrogating them, and in character, you were like, oh, I have some, I have some oil. Let's just let's just threaten to set them on fire if they don't if they don't cooperate. And I was like, that is truly like that is truly just 
terrifying first of all just a terrifying ideology of like yep i'm just gonna do this i just i just i love the i love the rascally wily nature of, of that character and the way that you play him or the or, or you know or you know you you and the pirate captain getting stuck uh uh with all of the security guards in the big mansion you were heisting and i don't know doing <laughs> something totally unexpected of like i'm just gonna, i'm gonna split the party i'm just like you were already two of five and then mm -hmm. you were like, nope, I'm just going to split the party even further. Just divide and conquer. And you just booked it. You just ran out of the room. And I was like, wait, wait, no. What? Oh, <laughs> oh God. Oh, God. Okay, no. Yeah, I guess. Um, um, no, yeah, I guess one of the guards definitely is going to follow you because that's just, they have to. Like, you just, <laughs> it's just like the, the curveballs, the curveballs that are thrown, you know, having having DM'd you for three or four different characters, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the absolute goon that that vilfandar is uh, he's my favorite I, lo I love playing him i love the character i yeah. for that reason because i i feel that i have now established this character enough that those choices are in character you know however wild they happen you know those yeah. are very far apart you know threatening to yes. pour oil on somebody and then also just doing bye <laughs> right it just like and never really knowing like what he would he pour oil on somebody that and we never got to that point. So I guess we'll never know if Vilfrandar actually would have done that or not. But he sure said the words to get the point across and to get and to like just to get the job done. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so it's <laughs> it's I love it. And now I'm trying to think of I haven't I haven't thought about that. You know, I I established this this sort of show to talk about like, oh, how, like, how do you relate to the characters you play? And now I'm trying to think of a character like what which character I that I've played is the furthest away from me. It might be the paladin I'm playing right now, the the Oathbreaker paladin that replaced that replaced the very devoted, um, you know, uh, righteous walked into a burning building to save somebody and died doing it. Dragonborn, who is to a fault very similar to me in a lot of like I'm not walking into any burning buildings, but I do put myself out there maybe more than I should in my real life. Yeah. So so this paladin is very out for themselves of like. You know, they have their god that they're worshiping. They have their revenge story that they're pursuing. They're very broody. They're not very broody. And this character <laughs> is extremely brutish and just anxious about, like, I suffer from anxiety, but this character is anxious about things that I'm never anxious about. So, mm. and they've ended up being the character I've played the most. So you and me have a similar, I guess, uh, that one specific thread. We have a similar, uh, you know, yeah. two sides of the same coin when it comes to like, oh, this is a character that's least like me or that's, you know, that I'm venturing out most with, and they're mm. the ones that I like to play. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, Do you feel any um, more, uh, I'll turn the table on you and ask you a question. Do you uh -oh. feel any, um, do you feel any more connection to that paladin character than you do to other, like, for instance, the barbarian that you played before that? Like, do you feel any different form of connection because it, uh, that, because they are different than how you, you know, what you normally fall into? Great question. I mean, I naturally I feel a connection to to them because well, this this is a whole different aspect of the character, right? And like mm -hmm. it it uh, you know I've been able to get very complex with this character because I play as them so often because it's it's my home game character, you know. So you know more than half of the D and D I'm playing is with this character with this specific group of people. I had Gabriella Ashland, my roommate and good friend, on the show. And uh, we were talking about how that character was really cathar cathartic for me in a, in a truly in a profound way that is, is not often the case for people where 
uh, they're a changeling and it's just part of who they are. They're a changeling oh. and it allows them to, uh, you know, they've taken advantage of that and they, they move about the space as different genders. Mm. Um, um, and, and they use they, them pronouns. And after that character, after I built that character with Shane, our DM for the home game, I started using they, them pronouns like oh. more. You know, like I have he, they in all my bios now, right? Or like on Zoom, yeah. like you can see right now it says he, they, because mm. because I'm just, I'm drawn more towards that neutral, androgynous, non-binary area of ex- exploring that part of my identity, right? And like yeah. being able to live that a little bit in this character that ironically or poetically is almost nothing like me in terms of the way they move about the space, the way they move mm. about you know the way they the way they get things done and want to get things done is not the way that I want to get things done. But uh, in terms of that, that's it's a, it's it's an interesting thing that you ask. Of like, I find myself to be very similar to that character because the characters allowed me to play that actual part of my real life out a little bit, like before before I debuted it in my real life. You know, it's yeah, and that's a weird word to use debut, but like. You know, like before I was comfortable telling my my closest friends and family about it, I was able to do it at the table with just three close friends. And it was just at the table. And yeah. that's where it existed first. And now it exists outside of that, which is very neat. And also, you know, I, I'm a true romantic. I am. I, you know, I believe in true love. And I believe that, you know, and, and part of this character's backstory is that their true love or who they believe to be their true love was killed. And they uh, may have been responsible, like their recklessness may have been responsible for, or at least they feel that they were responsible mm. for their loved one's death. So that specific thing, obviously I've never gone through anything like that, but I can relate to that. I can sympathize with that. At the very basic, me and this character both believe in true love. You know, I think I would be as heartbroken as they are. But uh, the way that we respond to that trauma or respond to that information, and I don't know because it's never happened to me, but I don't, I don't think I would respond the same way as them. So we're di- we're very different, me and this character. Absolutely. Despite, it's despite me learning a lot about myself playing the character. So that's that's really interesting. This conclusion that you've helped me get <laughs> to that, like, oh, this character that I've found to be the you know the most effective in expressing myself after the fact. Mm-hmm. It's actually the one that's most different from me out of all the ones that I've played. So that's very interesting. Uh, yeah, I agree. Thanks for, the, thanks for the question, Sawyer. Of course. It's, hey, few and far between, but sometimes I have them. <laughs> no, I appreciate profound. I appreciate the the, the turning of the table, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, the turning of the, you know, oh, how the tabletop turns. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, um, and we've touched on this a little bit, but just sort of putting the prompt forward. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting to sort of break down like, you know, how your experiences and how your identity either go into or don't go into characters and stories that characters that you build and stories that you want to tell and, and how you portray and play and role play those characters. And then on the other end of things, like, and I'm not expecting you to say anything as direct as sort of my journey through my character's pronouns leading to a journey through my own pronouns. Mm-hmm. I don't expect everyone to have that kind of a high eureka moment, but is there anything that you feel like you've ever learned about yourself from playing characters? Like, so the other end of things, you know, kind of reverse engineering that first prompt we had. Right. Do you feel like 
like you go about your daily life different or you even if it's a microscopic small insignificant at most times thing mm-hmm. is there any aspect of your life or of the world that you see a little bit differently because of a character that you've played sure sure i wish um that- <laughs> <laughs> i i, I nothing comes to mind immediately <laughs> Sorry, that was really. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I uh, no, I do wish that. No, um, no, no, no. I don't no. think I've uh, nothing comes to mind right away. I don't think there was there has been anything yet, but I am excited for something like that. I I I do think that because I uh, uh, bounce around character to character so much and don't necessarily play one um, consistently enough. Oh, sure, uh, sure. I think that might have something to do with it. And maybe it doesn't. Maybe that's just, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, and that's not going to be a yes for everybody. That's just, right. it doesn't have to be. It's not a requirement of like, oh, yeah, I want to learn something about myself from playing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's diving into the subconscious of it all, you know? Exactly. And I do think it also, the other aspect, so I think, I think it might be a continuity thing of just, hey, if I play the same character multiple times and this character gets to get put in very more, you know, more and more situations that I can then decide what to do, I, I do think that something probably would come out eventually. It would have to, I think. And then more to the, uh, you know, about that as well, I think I need to, uh, maybe not need, but I, I would like to create more in-depth backstories for characters because I a lot of times what I do is all right here's a paragraph about this character just so I have in my head when we play I go okay this is kind of what they're about but for Vilfandar I wrote a two-page backstory uh you know I was about to say (laughs) I felt that that was that is truly that is the I don't want to say the only but pretty much the only character that I have gone that extensively into a backstory for and so that's you know maybe that's why I feel so connected to it. I haven't, I haven't been able to tell if it's, oh, because I have now created a bigger backstory, I know this character more, or if it's because the Vilfandar is just as a person is not opposite of me in a lot of ways, but is, is like we were talking about, you know, isn't necessarily exactly how I Sawyer would react in that situation. Um, sure. So inability, you know, it's, it is at the end of the day for a lot of people about escapism, right? And and characters shouldn't be the same as you. And that's the whole mm. point, you know. And if they are, that's great too. But the escape of the escapism of it all is is definitely important. what I latch on to. <laughs> yeah, me too. And the, the beauty of the escapism and the beauty of the improv improvisation of it all is what mm-hmm. of like like that is that's a good point, I guess, of like you you have two pages of backstory that you're naturally you know more about them, so you naturally gravitate towards them more as opposed to like oh you've played this character for 50 hours and you've improvised decisions that they've had to make in real time for mm. that many hours you're naturally going to be more attuned to them so i guess they we just have to play more D. uh that's, that's what i'm getting <laughs> <laughs> oh darn oh god again again i have solved your puzzle uh, <laughs> we just gotta play more uh well, no. Hey, sorry. This has been this has been a hoot. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting chat. Interesting conversation. I really appreciate your perspective on a lot of this. Uh, thanks for the laughs. Thanks for the stories. And I hope we do this again soon. You know, there's a we didn't even get we didn't really get to the segment of that I'm calling mechanics corner because a lot of our conversation was about mechanics, and that's excellent. So maybe we can have a mechanics specific episode or chat sometime of like, and let's just break this down. Like, what does this, what does this say to you? What does this say to you? You know, we're, 
we can we, maybe we can have like an on an on mic character building session just to just to go through wonderful. that. That sounds awesome, right? Let's <laughs> that both, sounds really let's cool. Oh my god, let's do that. Let's let's pick Please. a class and we'll we'll <laughs> like we'll both pick the same class. Yeah, and and see which different directions we can go with it. That sounds awesome. I like that. I like that a lot. Incredible. All right, it's it's <laughs> it's it's on the books, man. We're we're doing perfect. It. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks for yeah. much for being here. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I had a wonderful time. Holy smokes, folks. What a great episode. I want to say thank you once more to Sawyer Edwards for being on the show. And thank you for letting me do most of the talking in that episode, Sawyer. Uh, for those who want more Sawyer in their life, have no fear. I have a strong feeling he'll be back on Character Build very soon in a slightly different capacity. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Before I go, one thing I wanted to say, and I don't want to make a habit out of these disclaimers, but I do have an important thing to say here. Sawyer and I talked a lot about trauma and inserting trauma into the characters that we play and the decisions they make. Uh, and we were talking about that as sort of a subconscious thing that happens over time, naturally, just by building characters. Uh, and by no means do I necessarily think people should be doing this on purpose or, again, as a form of therapy. You know, there's this idea called emotional recall, uh, it's part of what is considered the method, which is Konstantin Stanislavski's acting method from the late 19th century, early 20th century. It's since been deemed method acting in the mid 20th century, and a lot of the ideals have been refuted for good reason. You know, uh, uh, method actors use it these days to be an asshole on set, and that's not okay. So I just wanted really quickly to let you know you shouldn't be using trauma on purpose. Uh, it's going to happen probably naturally doing, uh, while you're building characters. And I also just wanted to add emotional recall to the list of reasons it is not okay to be an asshole. Take that into your day. Be kind to somebody. And I can't wait for you to listen to our next episode of Character Build.